31% of all greenhouse gas emissions, uh, if you listen to the scientists, uh, come from the making of stuff. Uh, and that includes electric vehicles and, and, and solar and wind and hydro and all the other things that you need to, to build out green. But from the factory, and, and steel and cement, by the way, the nasties, so there's, 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 it's over there. But IT sits in the making of stuff, which is the largest slice of greenhouse gas emissions. So if it's true that 31% of all greenhouse gas emissions comes from the factories, the making of stuff, then reducing that is the biggest impact that, as a society, we can make. Now, the, the circular economy is at the centre of, of helping that reduction because we're taking, we're taking products that have already been made and extending that life, being regenerative and zeroing out waste. You are listening to Sustainability Success, a series from The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards. Hello, this is Matthew Childs, and welcome to Sustainability Success, a series from The Standard Show, a series which brings you stories of how organisations are using standards on their journeys to meet their sustainability goals. Now, sustainability has never been more important, but at the same time, people are more cynical than ever before about green marketing claims. They want to see proof that organisations are truly committed to tackling environmental and societal challenges. Using standards can help organisations to save energy, save money and save the environment, and also to demonstrate their sustainability credentials to customers, employees and stakeholders, and in particular, their commitment to sustainable production and development. This episode of the series features circular computing and the issue of waste management. Since its foundation 25 years ago, circular computing has had a clear objective to create a more ethical, sustainable and socially responsible way to buy IT. Its mission is to remanufacture a laptop to like new condition, not only improving the cosmetics of the product, but also the performance and reliability too. And the voice you heard at the top of the episode was that of Steve Haskew, or Circular Steve, as he's more commonly known, of circular computing, talking about what sustainability means to them. I spoke to Steve about the company's overall approach to using standards, but also in particular the BSI kite mark for remanufactured and reconditioned products. Circular Computing is the world's first BSI kite mark certified company for laptop remanufacturing. Now, given that Steve is also a standards maker, working on standards for the reduction of environmental impacts in product design and development, and it's the standard show, I asked him all about his standards journey. Before we hear more from Steve, a reminder that you can subscribe to the standard show wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find and follow us on social media too. All of the details are in the show notes. The show notes is also where you can find links to some of the content featured in this episode and the link to the other episodes in this series. So Steve Haskew is Director of Sustainability at Circular Computing, which is based in Portsmouth in the UK. I started by asking Steve to tell me more about the company. Circular Computing is a part of a bigger company that is 30 years old um, and we've been around as a, as a, as a parent um, to uh, remarket technology mainly laptops into what is known as the aftermarket the brand itself is a a brand that was born off the back of a paradigm shift in the industry 
I think it's, a, it's as important to understand why we exist. The the state of the the IT industry and our little slice of that is within laptop technology. Started in around about 1990, we uh, came into it in about 1993. So when big organizations wanted to uh, refresh their hardware to, um, to, to to more powerful machines. The industry was led by software development, it, it being more power hungry. Hardware was then made to consume that software, so it became more powerful, meaning that as an organization, you would lose a competitive edge if your machines weren't able to use the most um, up-to-date software. So this kind of created a linear a linear cycle, so three to four years became the norm to refresh your IT. And things haven't changed really since since that time for 25 years. As an organization, our parent company, its job was to take the redundant and unwanted uh, product off the desk of big business. Um, it would do something to it, and then it would sell it into other markets globally. And that product would generally be called refurbished. Uh, and there's no way that um, the, the, the large white-collar users or the public sector could buy such a product because of the the risk of the, the quality risk associated with with a refurbished product. It's not uniform, and particularly in mobile technology, where one product is different to the next product. The the paradigm shift came in about 2013-14, and we identified it as this: that the the relationship between hardware and software changed, where cloud technology and an off-premises storage became mainstream and it was all about how how the software could become more efficient in the delivery of its data onto a piece of hardware and that hardware could be a laptop a desktop a mobile phone or a tablet they all pretty much do the same job it's just about what the user wants to use to create output if you like so laptop technology for the most people in the offices um, is what they would use but you know you can you can do the same job on a, on a different device the problem was that that society didn't change its buying behavior it was still refreshing every three to four years so we thought right well we know where volumes of uh, redundant secondhand technology is because for 20 years we've been doing that job um, as in as in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of devices um, can we make the product new again? And uh, if we did, would the market be different? In other words, could we sell that product that might be three years old, but it's been remade but brand new back to a different client, which would be the public sector or big industry? And, and that kind of began our journey. And Circular Computing was born off the back of us making an all-in commitment to build a remanufacturing factory. Um, we wanted a, a brand that uh, could represent what we were doing, which was a, a circular economy-based uh, product. Um, and Circular Computing was born off the, off, off the ground that we found that we could re remake a machine, and, and that is called remanufacturing. And that comes with a, a whole host of uh, other things because that word doesn't exist in society. So not only do we have a product that no one thinks that they can buy, the thinking is secondhand is second best, but also remanufactured doesn't belong in, in, their, in, their, 
in their arsenal of words. So we have to educate the market about what that means. Now, you talk there, Steve, about some sort of new words to, to the language and also about this paradigm shift, which I'm really interested in. So another sort of another term that we are now using, commonplace now, is this issue around sustainability, sustainability itself. And I, I guess there's been a paradigm shift in, in the use of that term. We were talking about it in... You know, not not many people talking about it, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And now it seems to be that everyone is talking about it. But it's still, a, I think, a relatively still a controversial term. It's maybe problematic for some people. So I'm interested in what it means for you as circular computing. You know, what does sustainability mean for circular computing? I, I think that's an interesting question, because if you typed in sustainability into the Google 10 years ago, you wouldn't have too many places to go to. And because the world's pointing towards that, there are now billions of places to go to. And that also kind of makes confusion for someone who's entering into wanting to learn about it. But for us, we would follow we would follow two paths. The first is the natural definition from, say, the Oxford Dictionary, which is the degree to which a process or enterprise is able to be maintained or continued while avoiding the, avoiding the long-term depletion of natural resources. That's what the Oxford Dictionary almost verbatim would, would say. So if you, if you consume more than is available and you're not leaving enough behind for next generation, then that is not a sustainable practice, um, i.e. going overdrawn. Um, but when we when we focus our mind on what it means to us, we try to kind of figure out how how we align to society. Um, and I think like this, 31% of all greenhouse gas emissions, uh, if you listen to the scientists, uh, come from the making of stuff. Uh, and that includes electric vehicles and, and, and solar and wind and hydro and all the other things that you need to, to build out green. But from the factory, and, and steel and cement, by the way, the nasties, so there's, 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 it's over there. But IT sits in the making of stuff, which is the largest slice of greenhouse gas emissions. So if it's true that 31% of all greenhouse gas emissions comes from the factories, the making of stuff, then reducing that is the biggest impact as a society we can make. Now, the, the circular economy is at the centre of, of helping that reduction because we're taking, we're taking products that have already been made and extending that life, being regenerative and zeroing out waste. So if it's true that, if it's, it's true that circular economy is at the centre of a decarbonised future state and remanufacturing is, uh, is at the centre of the circular economy, then within our piece, we believe that circular, circular computing is, is at the heart of the remanufacturing industry within the circular economy for a decarbonised future state. And it's all kind of interconnecting. I suppose and you've had that it's sort of it's the heart of your organization here so it's in a sense that if you are you you are living and breathing a sustainable approach you know do you have any specific sustainability goals at all uh, we do as a business we've been um uh so the, the challenge is for any business is to is to grow your commercial interests whilst at the same time reducing your carbon footprint if you look at carbon as a whole so that, that that's a challenge and that's something that we were very mindful of so in 2017 when we built circular computing out it was a case of fine okay well we need to understand as a business what our carbon our own carbon footprint is so we've been audited annually uh, for our carbon emissions uh, since uh, since 2017 so we have a baseline year uh, so our our job is to uh, um 
to increase our, our, our sales output, our production output in, in, in terms of laptops, so number of laptops sold, whilst reducing the cost per laptop. And we, we measure our, our carbon footprint in, in, a, in, a, in a how many laptop, how, how much carbon does it cost to produce a, a laptop? And keeping that number down is, is how we measure that. So carbon, we have, we, have a zero, we have a zero waste policy anyway, zero to landfill. Um, all, of the, all of the technology that is beyond economic repair, for instance, will get repurposed. So a motherboard, if it can't be repaired or it's beyond economic repair, will get, will get uh, crushed and be made into, into pallets for logistics companies, for instance. But the, the one thing that we've learned is that working collaboratively with suppliers that have a very similar th- uh, uh, vibe, if you like, to you with regards to sustainability is the way that you're going to get your own carbon footprint down. And that for us is is working with uh, logistics partners uh, who are going to use, say, sustainable aviation fuel or with customers that are happy to wait a longer period of time for delivery because we're going to move our, our product from our factory by sea. So as an organization, we're, we're really on it. Um, and I think carbon is at the heart of everything, but everything else spins off the back of that conversation. Now, Steve, given that this is the standard show, I do want to ask you about your overall approach to using standards and, and some specific standards in, in particular. But before I get to that, you talk there about partners and, and sort of relationships. Tell us about your overall relationship with BSI and also you know, how BSI supported you in achieving those sustainability goals you talked about. Um so BSI to, to, well, BSI to me personally is is super important. When when we moved from being just a trade a volume trader of secondhand products into investing big big money for us anyway, a big money into building a remanufacturing factory, uh, we had to start upping the ante with regards to accreditations and compliance for the benefit of our customers. Otherwise, otherwise, what we're coming to market with is it's it's circular. Steve saying it's a remanufactured product, which is far better than a refurbished product. We needed something. To some something and somebody to help us make the difference. So, I got involved with BSI in a in in a, in a personal way, in trying to understand what they were trying to achieve with a very specific um, piece of work. Um, but what the relationship actually is with BSI is is one of 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 a paternal. Uh, relationship if you think about a transactional analysis between parent child and parent adult I see BSI as a paternal place somebody somebody who I would go to say David Attenborough and talk talk about what he does in with his authority and he and he would give me advice but don't he wouldn't show me how to do the work he would just tell me the advice and the same can be said for BSI they're not going to give it to you on a plate but they'll give you the best advice and ask you to get there on your own accord and by so doing you're getting you're getting best advice and, and, and knowledge from people that know how to do what they do and then put that to practice in your own organization and, and actually a really a really interesting thing happened BSI being the advisor being the 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 owner of of the accreditation actually not not just talking the talk they're walking the walk they have become a circular computing partner so they buy our product for their own use internally operationally such as their confidence in the output of the product so so ultimately they we we have this collaborative agreement psychologically i suppose where they're a client and supplier all at the same time and and advisor so it's it's a really interesting relationship now, Steve, I mentioned earlier I want to talk to you about standards. So circular computing then, what, what's your, as an organisation, what's your overall approach to using national and international standards? We need to set ourselves 
um, a, a bar from which we can be measured by our customers ultimately. Um, the customer needs to know that the, the, the organization that they're engaging with is not a, a, um, a wolf in, sheep, in sheep's clothing, for want of a better phrase. It relies on a standards authority. So on, on the one hand, we'll have ISO 9001 and ISO 14001, which I think 14001 was started life as a, as a BSI standard anyway. It did indeed. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so we have those. So the client knows we have quality management systems. We have environmental, uh, environmental um, measures and, and standards in place. Uh, we also have the same with with occupational health and safety and so forth. So, um, organisationally, we try to make sure that we 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 can do our job it, compliantly without working in the commercial half Nelson, if that makes sense. So, Steve, you mentioned there uh, a number of international management system standards. I just wonder, as an organisation, you know, you'll if you're looking to improve the performance of of how you operate, really, how how does circular computing approach? the use of international standards in that way? Um, I think the the, the standards um, that are coming through are, are really interesting, but particularly with regards to things like governance um, and, um, and and helping other other parts of business build. I think from, from our point of view, when we when we look to, to change a, a process within within our factory for instance you know we, we have our, our ISO standards but where we are working with with BSI specifically with our kite mark which is unique to the organization we're audited every six months so so that looks like they come in they audit they they then give us things that we need to change they come back and reaudit and before you know it they're audit, they're auditing again which so for us it's a, it's a constant it's a constant um, betterment of, of our of our systems which is ultimately a reflection of the, of the, the product quality. Do you want to help make people's lives easier, safer, and more enjoyable? Well, why not become a standards maker and have your say on the development of standards? Standards affect all of us every day, wherever we go, whatever we do. By defining good practice, they help people, organizations, the economy, and society to do things better. Each year, standards bodies publish thousands of standards, and we are looking for more people like you to join our community of standards makers. We welcome applicants from all fields, backgrounds, and career stages. Our goal is to have a balance of views around the table. By becoming a standards maker, you could help to create cities that boost people's well-being, make strides in stem cell research, build more diverse workplaces, and even make the most reliable and sustainable products. So, if you want to make a difference and shape the world through standards, start your standards making journey now. Simply visit bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. Now, Steve, I just want to ask you what about one particular standard, or a kite mark, in fact. And obviously, it's completely related to your to the, the the product that you're developing here. What drove you to achieve the BSI kite mark for remanufactured and reconditioned products? And I suppose, just as much, well, even more importantly, what benefits have you seen since achieving it? So, with laptop and with laptop products, especially with laptop products, the behaviour of every laptop in its in its original life is different to your neighbors or your partners or anybody else in the organization. So 
when you're remaking the product back to a new state, which is what the standard for remanufacturing is, and it's called BS 8887, British Standards 8887, and there are variants of that, um, which is re- remanufactured is one, which is 240, I believe, and then um, reconditioned is, is BS 8887-220, I think, or the other way around. Um, but, but ultimately, we needed to, we needed two things. We needed the discipline to be the best version of ourselves, uh, and the BS triple eight seven kite mark for remanufactured makes us do that. So making something back to back e- equal to or better than the original is a very difficult job if you don't have the blueprints of the original manufacturer. So that's a very hard job to do, and we're the only one in the world to have that. So without the kite mark, we're just a better version of really good refurbished or reconditioned. That's really important for our customers. They're able to, particularly in the public sector, they can say with confidence, we want to buy a remanufactured um, product that has a, th- and they would frame it with a third party accreditation um, that specifies it must be equal to or better than new. That's what the Kite Mark does. It allows our customers in our market to specify our, our products because of the, because of the Kite Mark. Um, We've had um, re, uh, the refurbish and recondition kite mark alongside that because we actually do a different job for that. But the other part of, of that coin, and we have a conversation with, with BSI at the top table at the moment going on, which is, okay, so I've got, I've got a kite mark, a BS triple eight seven kite mark for refurbished, uh, and there are two or three other people in the market that also have that. Um, but the condition of our our product that comes out of our factory with our kite mark is much better, we believe, than the other products offering the same um, the same kite mark. But the customer doesn't know about that. So 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 a an aggregator might buy a thousand from me, fifty from somebody else, and fifty from somebody else, and the the buyer might think they're getting all the same product when in fact they're not. They're getting three variants of of the product. Ultimately, though, Matthew the um, the the second hand market is a seller's market it's not a buyer's market and and what the kite mark does for remanufacturing it puts the power of product risk and assurance into the hands of the buyer not not at the bequest of the um of the of the seller listening to listening to you speak there i mean how you know how big a game changer is, is this kite mark for the sector well, we're doing some work with our government at the moment. They're, they're saying we reckon there's 125 to 20% of our estate could go to remanufactured. If the output of, of what you're telling me is there's a reduction in carbon emissions, which benefits our net zero ambition, you're zeroing out e-waste, which is part of our, our strategy. We're entering a circular economy, so we're preserving resources, and that forms part of our, our overarching uh, mineral uh, and rare earth strategy. If you're achieving those, and you're and you're less expensive than the new. This for us is game is a game changer, and that only comes by because we've got a, a kite mark. It does it doesn't come by because Circular Steve says they're the best secondhand products in the market. So St- Steve, you call yourself Circular Steve there, which I th- which I think is fantastic. And you mentioned this, obviously the circular economy. This is the, the sort of bigger picture of what we're talking about here today. Um, I just wonder from a so you mentioned there. Um, 
the general public and putting power back in the hands of consumers. I just wonder what's the wider story here. You know, what else can 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 people role can people play in the issues around waste management and the circular economy? Can we have more? How do we have more circular? Steve's, Stephanie's, and uh, other names beginning with S. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that um, if we think about the circular economy, we we must firstly zero out waste. There must be no word in the in the English language that is called waste. We we talk about that's that particular word as next gen resources. Everything everything is, is possible to be remade if, if the processes are in place to do that. But it requires a behavior change from the consumer. They must one must start thinking about oh not buying a refurbished phone or, or, or you know but but big business must be thinking uh, you know, if you look to to the United Nations, and I'll I'll say this, but it's part of Circular Steve Bingo. Uh, there's there's something called the SDGs or the Sustainable Development Goals, which is a like a, the 17 things that that help people focus their minds about about doing positive change to eliminate poverty and um, inequality and things like that. And one of them is is number 12, which is sustainable production and consumption. So we don't think the circular circular economy is waste management. We just think it's a, a an, an economy that makes the the best use of of resources. It's regenerative. It zeroes out waste. And it keeps product along alive for as long as it possibly can, but it's having the trust of the um, the customer um, is like super important because without that, then you're not being the best version of yourself. So, um, you know, like BSI, we we have wonderful clients that are, are really vocal about what they're trying to achieve um, from the C-suite. You know, they're 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 looking to help with net zero. They're looking to be be better people at at leading their own organisations, um, and they're prepared to work hard with us to to make sure that that happens from an IT perspective. And then what happens is change happens internally for their organisation. They the IT the IT person whose job it is to keep the, the the wheels on the bus operationally never gets thanked for spending millions of pounds every year and only gets kicked when the wheels of the bus fall off. Well, what this person is now able to do is to go, I, I've, I've understood your 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 ambition to to net zero, for instance, as a C-suite, and you want to leave a legacy and a, and, a, and your own footprint on this business. I have delivered that for you. You know, did you know like three laptops, just three brand new laptops, emits a ton of CO two, which is just a number. Doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. Well, a ton of CO two is nineteen thousand cubic feet, which now it's becoming something. And nineteen thousand cubic feet is plus or minus the size of a three bedroom house in air mass. So every time that house replaces or changes its IT for a brand new piece of laptop, it will emit its air mass up to the atmosphere, which obviously creates a blanketing effect and the sun's rays can't escape the atmosphere and it heats the globe. Once you understand the story and you kind of go, okay, well, if the, if it is possible and from a, a, an assurance and quality point of view, I'm not at risk and I save money, then why why wouldn't I do that, actually? Why wouldn't I do that? And that's the that's the the story that that, that comes through. And as I say, our, our clients work work hard, being reference sites for us, working to 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 actually make change. This is this is not about um, greenwashing. This is actually people rolling their sleeves up and going, "No, we're all in." If what you if we, if what you're saying you can deliver, 
and and you can evidence it. So so when we talk about carbon and things like that, we've worked with people like Brunel University for our water because we have a big water preservation with um, with our, our carbon. We're audited anyway by an independent, and we work with Cranfield University, a resource preservation. We're working with some international universities to to have a look at what makes a laptop. It's, it's complicated, but we don't. It's not just circular Steve running around going. It's a really great thing. This is actually really grown up, meaningful things that when presented in the right way means that the only option really is to explore it. And going back to the kite mark, without that, we're just another snake oil salesman. So, Steve, what's next for circular computing and sustainability? We're working hard with central government, um, mainly in the UK, um, also in Europe. Um, We have... uh, decided to make the the choice of bringing something to market that we think is is an absolute game changer um, which is what we're calling remanufacturing as a service so it kind of looks like um, imagine if you have a car and you use it for three years and you don't service it it's kind of not going to be roadworthy which is why you have an annual MOT what we found actually is that we're able to take clients laptops and remanufacture them and then put them back into their own estate so at the moment customers can come to me and say i want to buy hp del lenovo and i give them a, a selection from our own our own sort of library and they can say i want that want, why i want those but if they're happy with their existing estate but, but because a laptop gets hit millions of times a year it just needs to be brought back to a new condition um then they can give us their their estate to remanufacture and put back into into their into their um into their own building that then um is a is a huge game changer and, and the, the mathematics actually will probably look like four million laptops in the um in the public sector let's say the public sector is funded by by our money um if if 50 percent of them have have a laptop that's two million laptops and let's say the average cost of, of a laptop is is a, is a a thousand quid or something like that then you're looking at a spend of two billion quid um, every three years for laptops. So if you're able to remanufacture what's already been bought and you can come in at 20% of the cost, all of a sudden you're not spending 2 billion, you're spending 400 million and net saving 1.6 billion can be used for, for society to create more well-being or to do better things with. So so it's, it's not just about the... Um, the, the waste element so if you think about e-waste it's not it's not it's not a, about the physical waste it's about the physical waste of taxpayers money year on year on year and and if we can break that i think we are we are in a position where we're quite close to breaking that we've got the people who want to break it but it's complicated um then we're able to create a a really a circular economy a circular government and once we've got that template figured out then that's something that then can be rolled out geographically across the rest of europe to put to participating countries like belgium and um and the netherlands scandinavian countries are very kind of um then they're not first mover other than denmark who are working very closely with us but remanufacturing as a service could be the thing that actually kind of changes things because the financial motivation is really there now steve you you are a standards maker too so i'm really keen to know you know what what's been your personal standards journey and how and when did it start for you and where are you now 
Uh, my standards journey started in 2016, 2017. Um, I was very kind of green behind the ears. I'm on, an, I'm on a, um, a committee that looks at, um, it's called TD, TDW4, um, Technical Drawings Working Group 4. It looks at um, manufacture, so it's called MADE is, is, is the acronym. So manufacture, assembly, disassembly, and end of life. It looks at those four things. Um and of course, I always looked at the end of life as being the thing that was of was most interest. But actually, we were kind of fairly strong in, in that pillar. And, and it made me think differently about how things are designed. So I've just been to London this week uh, to Clerkenwell Design Week, um, speaking to the most imaginative um, designers, predominantly with, within the uh, architecture and furniture businesses, which is where I kind of have an interest. Um, and just talking to them about about what they're doing to, to to change how they're actually designing at the front end for things to be made. They're, they're, they're designing for things to be unmade first. Um, so their thoughts around how they make things are, are changing. And so my, my own th- thoughts within what BSI have, have helped me understand is, 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 is really deconstructing um, production and consum- consumption in a kind of a, a mental mind map if you like and having real clarity of thought about about things I didn't understand you know I'm really I find myself fascinated personally now about about the periodic table and uh, it's a big part of one of the presentations I do about how how we're we're, we're really kind of the tipping point about negligent resource use and, and having this linear 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 sort of behavior towards consumption will ultimately mean that we're going to run out of things because we're not looking after what's already been made um and the only way we're going to be able to to do that is to have a circular economy so i i use my learnings within my bsi working groups which is all self-funded it's it's, it's purely a selfish thing and, and um the, the the cost is is part of my uh, my my own um sort of professional um bettering my professional my own my own knowledge um but it helps me speak about the themes that i'm really passionate about in a more kind of confident way in my working group of people from i don't know rolls royce so that rolls royce are there so i have no knowledge about what they do and how they make i know i know what they do make but i've you know the, the, the but the challenges that that they have actually are not too dissimilar from the challenges that we have as a as a medium-sized enterprise um, and obviously, they they have a brand to to protect, and we we have a brand to build. Um, yet the, the 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 commonality of the circular themes and the sustainability themes within remanufacturing it all all actually centres around the standard. Without the standard, it's just an opinion. And take us take us inside if you, if you can. You know some of the committees you work on. What sort of conversations are you having, and what what's your what your particular perspective and your contribution? Where does that where, what do you provide to the committee? Um, I would like to. I would like to provide more, um, if if I could. But time is is short, so the only thing we can obviously can control is time. Um, but the um, so with the the committee itself, we helped we helped BSI uh, launch and release the triple eight seven two two twenty two forty series, um, so that we, as an organisation and me as me as a principal, were able to help. BSI get that kite mark into industry so that for me is a, a huge achievement it was a first for BSI and it was a first for us so that that's a real kind of a win for both of us I then also work on an international committee on behalf of BSI 
um, that involves other countries, uh, including China, who has a big interest in in, in natural resources and the, the global movement of natural resources. So that those those things come from two places. They come from the ground, which is the natural resource, and they come from a, an urban mine, which is a, a recycling source or a reuse source. So they're they're interesting in, in interested in in trying to uh, get a, a better feel globally as to as to what what's happening within this market and and try to find innovative ways to to work with um, resources that have come from an urban mine as opposed to a natural mine in the knowledge that stuff is running out so when it's all gone it's all gone we're going to have to figure out things differently and and you know the, the the, the Chinese can um, the China the Chinese guys are are throwing a lot of energy and, and weight at trying to figure this out for us because as a, as a global society we re- we rely upon the um, the brilliance of China for want of a better phrase you know, they've got it figured out they they know how to how to separate and process minerals to make stuff that we consume but they figured that 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 the stuff that they currently process uh, for us to consume is going to run out so they're trying to figure out how to keep us consumed if you if you see what i mean but in a more circular fashion so my eyes are being opened over there as well if you're at the start of your career and thinking about getting involved with standards and seeing it as a professional development exercise really what what would you say to that and how is it important to have that younger younger professional voice around the committee table 100% that's important and the reason it's important is that the like just say gen z i was born in i was born in the 60s and i have a i have a blueprint unfortunately i've got a way that i think based on a, a set of predefined things that have probably been fed down to me by my parents and it's important to get the thoughts of youth into the conversation early because ultimately from a standards perspective they're the ones that are going to be holding the baton a little little bit further upstream so um it's important from a a professional development i I would suggest that if 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 someone's looking to get into standards that and they're doing it for the right reasons that professional development is a part of the conversation my thanks to steve haskew aka circular steve of Circular Computing for sharing with me their sustainability success story. A reminder that for more information on some of the content featured in this episode, including details of the BSI Kite Mark for remanufactured products and how to get involved with standards, just like Steve, then check out the links in the show notes. You have been listening to Sustainability Success, a series from The Standard Show. Subscribe to The Standard Show now, wherever you get your podcasts. just heard a stripped media production.